time to tune up the band. And good God almighty, Stone Cold Scout run down! For it is a, another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Reardon and Dan, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Afternoon, chaps. <laughs> Sorry, I already started with the JR impressions, and it's not going to end for at least it's an hour and a bit. It's not going to end. It's not going to end. We're, we're, we're here for the duration. <laughs> How are you chaps doing? It makes bad of a week, but I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I am here. I agree. I'm right there with I'm you. I'm still coughing constantly. Oh, dang. I will never change. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, it's not going <laughs> to. It's been a heck of a week, but I'm here, and I'm happy to be here. Happy to happy to be with you two chaps to just wax lyrical about silly stuff as per. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. Glad, no just, just glad I'm here more than anything. Anyway. We give you this podcast. Thanks to those lovely people. I've read SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. If you think a weird week where everything changes will stop us from pending, you obviously haven't been listening to this podcast long enough. <laughs> we are always pending, and we always, always will be, no matter what. <laughs> no matter the cost, no matter how many people have to die. I didn't know we were in the in the in, in the killing people business. Oh, buddy, we're in the wrestling business. I mean, what oh, I'm saying. Shit. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I didn't figure that. Well, you know. So before we get on to our <laughs> our funny old little take and look at the crazy storyline of who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. <laughs> uh, to start off with, um, pretty much just like this morning at time of recording, um, Jay White lost the loser leaves Japan match at New Japan New Beginnings. So yeah, um. I, 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 I mean, loser leaves Japan. I mean, losing to Hikaleo is certainly uh, one way to, to bookmark the end of your New Japan career. That's for sure. Oh, I, 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 that, that's being mean. Hikaleo isn't that bad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is... Um, I think this has set the wrestling world on fire, as it usually does every time this part of the year, where Jay White has just come off of, New, of Wrestle Kingdom and as people are wondering, where is he going to next? But I think this... For a lot of people, makes people even more excited about what Jay White will do. Uh, I like the little. What I did like is uh, is Tanahashi was there on the commentary booth, and and Jay goes over right at the end of the match, and Tana just simply says thank you, Jay, and just gives him a fist bump. I thought, you know, that's that 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 that's sweet. I could appreciate that. I appreciate the sweetness in professional wrestling sometimes. Um. Listen, as far as we're all concerned, from what I've heard, Jay is actually not leaving New Japan anytime soon. As a matter of fact, this might be a way of being able to get Jay to do a lot more American excursions, which I would actually highly recommend. You know, if, if someone as, as, as popular as Jay White is in Japan, you really want to get strong to be something, why not stick Jay White there for, a, for a, an extended period of time? 
No, I mean, it's entirely fair. I mean, like, obviously the thing has become like, oh, well, what, what's left for him to do? So him being here and then facing that is not a bad idea. And also, you know, obviously with AEW being far more of a thing now, um, I don't think it's necessarily an inherently bad thing. Exactly. I think... I mean, the realm of possibility of him going to WWE is never is never impossible. I just, I sometimes I wonder though, is if the joke of him going to WWE now is if if it's just kind of will kind of kind of put a damp squib on everything really of him going to WWE. I mean, it's kind of a matter of if he goes, he goes, right? Like you can't. It's you can't true. really judge on it. It's true. A lot of people say, oh, well, you need to have the Cody treatment and everything like that. But I say, well, that's the question of do they see him as have, being per- a person that, that warrants the Cody treatment? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've always been I've always been a fan of Jay White's, um, even though I know that's not the most popular of opinions in the, in the wrestling world. And so... I mean, I, I, I'm just happy to see him go wherever he wants to go, to be quite honest. My safe bet would probably be... I'd probably think he'd lean towards a little more towards AEW, but then again, we don't know the minds of professional wrestlers. Everyone wants to go to the WWE at some point, so we'll see. We'll see. Before we know, he's still with contracted with New Japan. <laughs> Yeah, this could just be an elaborate thing to get people to watch New Japan Strong for all I care. <laughs> Which I'm not angry at. Because <laughs> people, I mean, as more I, people as need to see before. More um, people need people to see that it exists. More people need to see Jean Shorts, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that is true, though. <laughs> and Fred true. Rosser as well. I don't care what anyone says. People, people not Fred Rosser. And I'm saying no. Fred Rosser is actually a good wrestler. Fred Rosser is so. awesome. Again, um, I think it was the 2021. Um, yeah, it would have been 2021 because it was in the NWA and it was watchable. Um, <laughs> um, but Fred Rosser had a legit like match of the year contender. Yeah, he's 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 always been a very consistent good hand in wherever he's been. So no, I I will I will hear no slander of yeah. Fred Rosser whatsoever. Okay. And no, this is no bias towards the fact that Dan <laughs> once talked to him for our channel. <laughs> don't worry about it don't worry about, don't about it. it don't worry about um, it but yeah and obviously the thing is then could it be could it be um aew as well could it be i mean some people are saying impact although like yes but yes bullet club is in impact but that's like i think as someone yeah. suggested at this point i think the bullet club needs to be phased out it needs to die it will really never does. die <laughs> I don't know what it you're talking about. To, though. It needs to. <laughs> to, to. To take the quote of a very crazy CEO, I gotta inject. <laughs> listen, listen, guys. If it was going to die, it would have died ten years ago. No, no. But the, the problem is though, you're you're forgetting about ghetto. Oh, that's uh, true. That's ghetto. Ill. Ghetto saw that they were making so much money from Bullet Club shirts that he refused to let them die in any capacity. You know what you could do? You Despite could... the fact that throughout the entire time that they have been <laughs> like one of the biggest things in the world, yep. pretty much at no point um, have 
New Japan, I mean, they have they have at times. Um, yeah. But for the most of the time that they've been around, New Japan have just been like, hi, they are here. Now, please look at this nice, shiny person instead. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. Hey, look, we put Billet Cub t-shirts in Tekken 6. Look, Okada. <laughs> 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 that's what that's what it feels like. Um, no, what I was going to say, you know what the best idea would be to phase Bullet Club out, and in about a year's time, have Tony Khan recreate the mirror spot. I'm going to inject the AEW with a lethal dose of poison. <laughs> Is this what hell looks like? Me and the Bullet Club do it again. <laughs> Oh god, now I'm just... You, you sound like Mickey Mouse has joined the Bullet Club. No, that's Tony Khan's impression. That's my impression of Tony Khan. Do it again! Oh god. The Bullet Club joined the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> and it's got to be the original members, so he brings, he manages to get Fergal Devitt to come over to AEW. Yeah. I mean, at least it'll be a lot better than what he's doing with the Judgment Day. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Poor See, Finn. this is the thing I was saying about, like, if Jay White goes to WWE, like, what's he going to do? He's going to get involved in the whole OC versus um, judgment, judgment Day. Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the three leaders of the Bullet Club going up against one another. <laughs> Guys, we promise this is definitely not the Bullet Club. Ah, uh, could be worse. We could still have the Good Brothers coming out. To, we gonna get them, beat them now. <laughs> oh God! It's it. Remember, guys, they're not the Bullet Club, although they are called the OC, and they all do the two. They all do the two sweet, which is what the Bullet Club repopularized. Remember, they're not the Bullet Club. <laughs> they are not the Bullet Club, though. Despite that fight, despite that time when they called themselves the Club. Oh yeah, I don't. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's don't not forget a, a, the official, an official member of the Bullet Club as well, Omos. No, I'm not Omos Sapiens. <laughs> I love the fact that Tony Pizza guy got Omos during an interview to say Omos Sapiens, and Omos actually really liked it. The hive is too, the hive is too powerful. What can I say? We're, we're we're a strong group out here. Oh gosh, I'm still picturing Tony Khan going ape shit in front of a mirror. Still, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm not gonna let Jeff Jarrett kill my creation. God, Jeff Jarrett, AEW World Champion. Beard on beard. Like, are you okay? You seem a little more unhinged than usual, Sam. I don't know anymore at this point. Are we talking about unhinged? Let's talk about MJF's attempted murder. I mean, look, right. vehicular manslaughter. Hey, it's on fan. It's on theme for today. <laughs> um, oh goodness. Um. Yeah, so there was this MJF promo where he just kind of said this, uh, and I have no idea what this has to do with any of anything. Yeah, he was talking about there are winners and losers, and it doesn't matter what you do to get to the top. So apparently, during uh, during prom night, taking his date back home whilst the date was doing stuff to MJF while he was driving, they 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 crashed in a very violent crash. Uh, both of them were knocked out in the process. 
but before the cops came, MJF switched car seats with his prom date and made it look like she was the one that caused the accident. To w- yeah. which proceeded, may I just say, Nassau Police Department received 300 phone calls about this incident, about the promo MJF just did. Now, do we remember the last high-profile wrestling storyline that featured a car crash? That was, oh my god. <laughs> Does anyone, any, anyone, anyone here remember? This is a feud, to be quite I was going to say, do this all remember the, the, the Shane McMahon-Kane feud, which he wedged a limousine's accelerator pedal and it crashed right into a, uh, into a truck? I mean, the one I'm thinking of does involve Kane. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Don't bring that one up, Dan. <laughs> no, no, not Katie Vick. No. We're not talking about it. At once, we don't need to talk about it again. I just need people to remi- remember that. Like, no, oh, no. Maybe we'll leave something. No, no, it won't. Look, we brought it up all the way back in... Well, the second, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk, we brought it up in the second and third episodes. So, all come I'm on. Saying, all I'm saying about this is, um, we need Ricky Starks to be champion. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because going through all of this stuff with MJF, uh, and the only thing I can say is, okay, look, we clearly need a reset here. We need to figure out what's going on. Oh, but he is in a meaningful storyline with Chris Jericho. <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> Look, right. I'm just all this MJF, all this MJF stuff now. I just keep seeing it. And I'm just like, this is this is this is getting boring now. What well, what happened? What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. He won the championship. Ooh, Deb's fighting words. Ah, <laughs> uh, we'll get co- we'll get called fi- football team. Here's the thing. We'll get called fickle marks. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> no, I no, I, un- I understand why people would say that, and I do like I do like him. Hmm. But like we're here and we're looking at everything, and the I think the key point now is he won the championship, and then just decided, hmm, maybe if I just do the most just outright stuff that was just the opposite to what I was doing before. Mm. Oh, and rehash the same thing every time and again when there's a new contender. Oh, we'll just make him run the gauntlet again. Ah. Yeah, AEW's kind of getting a bit goofy on their gauntlets. <laughs> Look, I understand from a story and, and a character point of view, it's like, oh no, 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 you're not gonna get me right away. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna put obstacles in your way. But still, come on, it's it's getting a little kind of predictable at this point now. Well, it's annoying with the it's annoying with the Ricky Starks one because he's already had a match with Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. He's already reached him. In fact, I think he's already beaten him. Yep. Enough times so, already. So I mean, like, all this being like, said, why do, you do this again. All that being said, though, he did have a great MJF did have a great match against Takeshita, so can't knock he him did. for that. Takeshita is awesome. Takeshita is awesome. He really, really is. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right. In the world of WWE, though, it's all a bit... It's all a bit weird in regards to kind of like how we're going to be setting up everything now. So, we now know for a fact that Sami Zayn is going to challenge Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber in Montreal for the Undisputed Championship. That we do know for absolute certain. 
We still know that Co uh, Cody had an amazing promo with Paul uh, on Raw as well, which was great. And that set up, uh, that's going to set up kind of like the rivalry going forward. Apparently, it was a form of damage control in regards to WWE because they didn't want to take Cody's shine away from the seeming huge popularity of Sammy at this point. Which, again, I guess I can understand. But they've got to be really careful about how they do this, how they got to proceed forward now, if you ask me. Because one slip up, and we're going to be back in 2014 again with yeah. with Daniel Bryan, uh, with the groundswell of support for Daniel Bryan. So here's the thing I've always said. Uh, I said the other week, and I think I uh, reiterate a point that Hangman brought up recently on Twitter. It seems online, it always it seems like Sammy's the support for Sammy is huge, but when you go to actually see the shows and you view them, it actually there's there is a lot there is just amount just the same amount of support for Cody as well. So I don't think people are going to get angry either way about who wins or who goes to WrestleMania. Um at this point, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I wouldn't mind if Cody wins. I wouldn't mind if Sammy loses. I wouldn't mind if we get a scenario where Sammy and Sammy and Cody challenge for both belts and they end up uh, stripping Roman of both titles. Like Sammy goes for the Sammy grabs the Universal title and Cody goes for the one well he's always wanted, which is the WWE Championship, the more important one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all goes down for sure in the lead up now to Elimination Chamber and eventually to WrestleMania. Um, all I know for a fact is I think this might this might signal the end for Roman's reign. Yeah. Uh, you had to do it, didn't you? Roman no reign. I mean, no, I I feel like the end is the end is nigh for it. We'll see, but I do feel that way. Yeah, I mean, the rumours surrounding is if they got The Rock for Mania, they were going to create a brand new world championship just so that Cody and Seth could fight for it. Could you imagine that you got three world championships at that point? I mean, at least then, theoretically, the, um, the TV networks can be nothing but happy. I still think that would have muddied a hell of a lot of water. Um, oh, yeah. In regards to kind of just like oh the oversaturation of belts once again in WWE, <laughs> and I think it would have been proof beyond any doubt that Vince was tampering with. It said, Vince was tampering when he said he wasn't tampering <laughs> with creative. But it'll be I will uh, I, it'll be interesting to see how Mania shapes up to be. I wouldn't be fussed. Uh, hear me out. I wouldn't be absolutely upset in seeing Sammy and Kevin going for the tag titles and winning them against the Usos, if that's where we're going with this. Mm -hmm. That scenario I wouldn't be fussed with. Um, it looks like we're getting Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. I don't really much care for that match to be particularly yeah, no. honest. <laughs> um, Austin? Potentially making a, a return? That that he wasn't. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find. Uh, we will. We will find out. Mania is going to be. Um, 
I think purely for what's happening with the Roman situation makes it for a much more intriguing mania coming up. Um, it'll be interesting to see. It's nice to know at the very least. I'm glad that they couldn't get Dwayne. Because yeah. now they don't have to rest on the laurels of legacy and legends of the industry. And now they have to really think of, okay, we need yeah, we'll to work with what we've got. I appreciate that. I appreciate that at the very least Triple H is is has got the has got a gun ho attitude to go, okay, we couldn't get them, that's fine. We'll work with what we've got. Because what we've got is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unlike Vince which goes, Ah, I need to fight someone else, goddamn <laughs> Just the the absolute flailing of arms, but <laughs> it's gonna be a weird WrestleMania. it's gonna be a weird WrestleMania, isn't it? It's gonna be a very weird one. Um, I said good. It's going to be intrig. It's intriguing to see what's going to come up, but there there is an air of weirdness to it. I think because it's the uncertainty of what's happening, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, um. Unsureness about what's happening. <laughs> for all we know, Kenny Omega makes the makes the set makes the assist for Cody to win the title. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Could you fucking imagine? Oh man! There's Tony Khan just screaming with delight in the background. Um, it's like becomes a being of pure insanity. Yeah, it reminds me again. It reminds me of that time that he uh, that. uh, that he absolutely lost his shit <laughs> that one time introducing the Greek freak when his voice broke. <laughs> oh my god. That's why I do the high pitched voice reader. Sure, <laughs> that's the reason. <laughs> fucking lying to me. <laughs> oh, I wish I was. I really wish I was. Anyway, um, apart from that. And of course, <coughs> and of course, uh, the lead up to Revolution. We now have got MJF versus Brian. That's all locked in and confirmed. Uh, we also got the announcement that Week of Money in the Bank. We're also getting SmackDown in the O2, which I'm not fussed about. Yeah, we're getting SmackDown. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get the SmackDown, the Go Home SmackDown. We're getting at the O2 as well as Money in the Bank, which I can see from a from a from a from a, from a logistical sense is the sensible thing to do because you don't want to make an event the day before your pay per view and then fly everyone over and then they suffer from jet lag. <laughs> so yeah, we're getting that, and that's going to be a that's going to be a crazy time because in that short span of the of of summer, not only have we got now SmackDown Money in the Bank. We've also got AEW. Oh, yeah, shit. It's going to be nuts. Will we be able to afford it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but with that, are we done with the news? Yes, we're done. <laughs> lovely stuff, lovely stuff. So, Reardon, it's time for Recommendation Corner. What have you got for us this week? Guys, how do you feel about Valentine's Day? Corporate hellscape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I usually spend every day telling my girlfriend how much I love her. Oh. 
Shout out to you. <laughs> I am the. I am basically. I literally. My relationship with my girlfriend is basically Gomez and Morticia. I can't. I cannot deny it at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's actually that. That really tracks. I know that for a great many of our listeners, Valentine's Day is, let's put it, a mixed bag, even at the best of times. But maybe I recommend a nice romantic occasion that is watching the Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special. Hell yeah. <laughs> or, if you're, or, or if you're a cultured person, Reardon, for Valentine's Day... I recommend going back and watching the WWF pay-per-view from 1999, Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. <laughs> You're oh, okay. <laughs> okay. With the, would... with the amazing Vince McMahon ca- jump off the cage spot into the table. <laughs> Which, of course, spawned the amazing deadlock t-shirt Stamford Hardcore. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you could do that. Or you could watch the other one of my favorite romantic movies, Wally. That is true. What a pick. What a pick. My, well, legitimately, like I think it is between that and Singing in the Rain as my two romantic movies. <laughs> so you got you get free. You get free recommendations <laughs> there. because here at the Sweet Chin Wag Podcast, we love you and you're important to us. Happy Valentine's Day. Indeed, indeed. Alrighty, with all of that, it is time to get on to our episode, our spitballing take, or the shitposting take, if you will, of Stone Cold Gets Run Over. So, I have to preface this with a question to you two. I'm correct in saying you didn't see this live as is. No. I don't recall. Maybe, but I don't recall. This is 99-2000 era. So this is the time I literally came in. (laughs) This is the time I came into the WWF. So I'm going to base this a lot, not only on just articles I found online, but my personal memory of the entire storyline. So let us take you two back to Survivor Series 1999. Actually, memorable for actually one other reason than what we're going to be talking about. Fun fact, this was the exact same event where a certain Olympic gold medalist made his debut on the main roster. Yeah, Kurt Angle's very first match took place during is, the, during Survivor the Series 99. These are the things that you can get between the... the you know what? The sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. Like just to go off of the little tangent, it's crazy when going up into the main roster. Kurt discussed with Vince, "No one, you cannot make me a heel because no one, and I mean no one, will boo me. I think it won't work." What so? What happens? He goes out and is booed immediately. And so goes on the mic mid-match and goes, you don't boo an Olympic gold medalist. And they just just rain down on him. So basically, Kurt was a little wrong in that regard. (laughs) He was thankfully incorrect. Yeah, 
he was thankfully wrong, but then also like we realized the uh, he made the immediate pivot. Immediate pivot. Exactly. So the build and scheduled main event that was advertised for nine for Survivor Series nineteen ninety nine was a triple threat match for the WWF Championship. As Triple H, the champion at the time, would take on Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Shortly before the match was due and scheduled to happen, Stone Cold was actually having a was having a backstage promo with Michael Cole, Frosted Tip Michael Cole, believe it or not, where he got uh, he got Pearl Harbored by Triple H. Uh, and this led to a scuffle uh, where Triple H and Stone Cold brawled with each other and, well, the walk and brawl, the very infamous walk and brawl that WWF was so famous for during this time. And it spilled out into the parking area of the arena. Uh, if memory serves me the correct, the arena was the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. I had to just think of it at the top of my head because that was the exact same arena uh, where Rock also, uh, th- where Rock also threw Austin into the river. <laughs> that one time, you know, that's that, gotta hell. Gotta hell. Gotta hell. You're a stupid wreck, that piece of trash. Anyway, probably catch a mutant. Take a free free bitch bitch. <laughs> no piece of trash. <laughs> So anyway, it seems like Stone Cold has a history with Detroit because during this time, as yeah. he's trying to find Triple H, who's now who's now missing, <laughs> has mysteriously disappeared, a black sedan comes out from the darkness, headlights on, bows through a gate, and immediately runs Stone Cold Steve Austin over in a hit and run, in a hit and run collision, to which Stone uh, sorry, which JR goes, Good God Almighty, Stone Cold has got run down! Stone Cold, you got run down! <laughs> oh my god. Oh my oh. god. Oh dear god. <laughs> and. Oh dear god. Yes, we had Vince, Steph, Linda, EMTs all out, um, putting Austin um, into the back of an ambulance, and that wrote Stone Cold out. The reasoning as to why they did this, right, was, uh, was twofold. Um, one, Stone Cold needed to get neck surgery immediately. Two, they son. knew that they couldn't sell the pay-per-view without Stone Cold's name being there. So they intentionally built him in the main event, knowing full well they were never going to put him in the main event. Guess who his replacement was? Stephen Richards. Well... Oh my god. Well, it's the big show. <laughs> the big show is just like, for a time, was just WWE's like, we have no one else, so now this is what we must do. <laughs> yes, big show, who had already had a one on four Survivor Series elimination match beforehand, <laughs> was now thrusted into the main event and won the WWF Championship. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Everything is completely fine. There is nothing wrong here. Anyway, when so did coming out show, of this, when, when did you show next turn after that? Yeah, when was the next turn? Uh, it was. Would you believe it was January of two thousand? <laughs> so yes, literally. I don't know. That's a little bit of a while for him. Big Show <laughs> had a one-month rivalry with Big Boss Man, then lost the title to Triple H. Big. 
boss man. Oh, the big boss man, which of course saw the big boss man tow the big show's dad's dad's coffin in that one, you know, that promo thing where big boss man manages to kind of drag the coffin with big show on top of the coffin. I will always say this, that segment has should not be funny to me, but it hurt. It is incredibly funny to me. <laughs> it's amazing. How, how amazing that one is. Anyway, with all that being said, this, of course, writes Austin off for an amount of for a long amount of time to get him uh, the next surgery he's been putting off for a very long time. But the question coming out of the main event or coming out off of the main event of this pay-per-view is, of course, who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin? And would you believe Vince actually had the patience to ride this one out for an incredibly long time? Like it was a year that he that he, he held this off the reveal off for a year. That's wow. that's patience I never knew the man had. <laughs> and so going into this, of course, two thousand, Rock wins the Royal Rumble. He goes off to have the McMahon in every corner botched main event at WrestleMania two thousand. We all get that. But, of course, the main event we all wanted to see was Rock versus Triple H, which we do get at Backlash 2000. Of course, during all of that time as well, we had Mick Foley retire as a, a, a retire at No Way Out, come back, of course, for that WrestleMania uh, main event. But uh, the day after WrestleMania, he gets appointed as the brand new commissioner for the WWF. Now... Coming into Backlash 2000, The Rock was pretty much one versus the McMahon-Helmsley regime at this time. And it was basically, he was fighting a one-man war against the entire company at this point. So, he needed some backup. To which, for some bizarre reason, Zombie Linda McMahon <laughs> announced that actually The Rock would have backup in the form of one stone-cold Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, in a weird thing where Austin kind of went, came, went and left to go recoup from his neck surgery. Austin came out to assist The Rock with with a litany of chair shots to Pat Patterson, uh, to Gerald Briscoe, Shane, Vince, the DX... And eventually to Triple H, which saw The Rock finally claim the WWF Championship. Uh, yeah, this rope, this basically meant was like a was like a one and done deal for Austin to come in, get the pop, come back and recoup from his neck surgery. So you know, it's kind of like Stone Cold Steve Austin with a steel chair in that day was really just full of Mjolnir, right? Yes. It was just oh god! If you if you hear the the smack of the chair shots that he was doing, then yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is kind of mad how god those chair shots were nasty. I mean, back in the day, watching those as a child, you're like, yeah, chair shots. Now it's like, oh no. I mean, we talked oh, about no. it in length. I mean, if you want to go back, dear listener, we do have an entire episode dedicated to reviewing backlash 2000 so you don't need me to repeat what was going on there <laughs> but needless to say 
it was it was a pretty good event for Dar- for, 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 for goodness sake. It was a bloody good event. So this brings us to during the inv- to Mick Foley's main goal as commissioner, putting on an investigation to who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And during this time, he questioned and interrogated a lot, a lot of people. And he came down to a list, a rogue gallery of suspects that Mick had. So, first up was Triple H. The most obvious one to have. The one he had the most grudge against Steve Austin with. The one who disappeared mysteriously after that brawl and that altercation that led up to the, to the, uh, to the collision. That was the most obvious one. But Triple H had a bit of an alibi. Of course, he was saying that he was actually just hiding and actually was with DX and actually grouped up and regrouped with DX by that time. They corroborated his alibi in that regard. Next, of course, was... Triple H can't drive. Triple H can't drive, yes. Next suspect was The Rock. But, of course, The Rock... Was in the dress was 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 in the dressing room getting ready for that said main event, of course. But mind you, the main sticking point was during that backstage promo, The Rock wasn't there to be seen or to kind of prove that he wasn't there. Uh, Kurt Angle was a main suspect. Remember, he had just made his debut during this time, and you know what better way to try and get to the main event by sticking it to you know taking out the biggest star in uh, of the company. But again, Kurt. Did have an alibi. He had just had a match. <laughs> Remind me, was this like Mick Foley trying to figure it out, or was it Steve Austin himself trying to figure out? Mick Foley trying to figure it out. Okay, so Mick Foley is the inspector. Is is it's basically Bro, Columbo. Is is basically Mick Columbo. Foley is our Benoit Blanc in this. Uh... <laughs> scenario i i prefer seeing him as poirot it's the i think it's the beard i could yeah if, if mick foley had like done it he could have done the mustache at that time he could have done it i think he could have worked it out it's true it's true now now see here i'm trying to solve this peculiar case <laughs> of a man being run over right here in the great city of the truck <laughs> Now, another suspect was Shawn Michaels as well, the ex-commissioner of the WWF, and who had just made a small appearance as the special guest referee for Rock versus Triple H in that Iron Man match at Judgment Day, which saw the return of The Undertaker. He was The Undertaker in the car the whole time. <laughs> no, because he drives a Harley. Remember, oh, this, okay, is, okay. Uh, this is American Badass. Come on. <laughs> He converted, he converted his Harley to look like a car. So this leads us, the entire investigation leads us all the way to October of 2000, which sees the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin to a full-time schedule. And he is full of piss and vinegar, as he is literally killing everyone to find out who ran over who 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 ran over him basically it was stone cold in every backstage interaction he would rather than talk to people he would just whip their ass stone cold addresses his enemies like, you do you do it son no i'm gonna kick your ass anyway just every single all the time just people backstage you can just hear brenner 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 <laughs> just that it's just, just nothing but that it's like it's like jaw it's like the jaws uh, music uh, music sting but instead you just hear it you just in the in, in the background you just hear a faint 
I'm actually imagining more like glass scattering getting louder and louder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my, one of my favorite interactions is Kurt Angle introduces himself to Steve Austin, gives him a gold medal, uh, and says, Well, son, I'll take this gold medal and shove it up your ass. Shove <laughs> it up your ass, son. Shit. <laughs> So, Ow. Mick was very, very close. He zeroed in on three different suspects. One which was, uh, all of them were kept kind of like mum's the word. It wasn't revealed who he was kind of zeroing in on. But one thing in particular, one back innocuous backstage segment took a little bit more precedent and actually stuck in the mind of Mick. He was interrogating Scotty Too Hottie, who was there at Survivor Series 1999, with Grandmaster Sexay as part of Too Cool. And he was basically saying, oh, my, my alibi simply is we weren't there at the time because we were back in the dressing room. I was kicking it with Grandmaster Sexay and Rikishi. That stuck to the mind of Mick because Rikishi wasn't around at that time. He had only debuted in a December of 1999. So that stuck to the mind of Mick that Rikishi wasn't even around at that time. So all how could pieces, he have... All so... the pieces are coming together, like you have like, the board. <laughs> exactly. And at this time, Mick had finally cracked the piece of the puzzle that he was looking for. He knew who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And in a very infamous in-ring promo, <laughs> after The Rock had finished a match against Rikishi as his tag partner, Mick comes to the ring and proclaims that he knows... Who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin? No, it wasn't The Rock, but it was the Rik it was Rikishi. Oh, sorry, as as uh, as Jr. would say, Rikishi. <laughs> it's Rikishi. <laughs> so, excuse me, the lovable baby face who sticks his ass in people's faces is the one who ran over Steve Austin. <laughs> I'll buy it. He was trying to back up. It's okay. That's it. It's, you know, he just he just hit accelerate. That was an it was an accident. <sighs> banging it, banging it, bang. So you know why you know, you know what makes me laugh actually about that. If I want to go off on a little one, right? I love how in every kind of hype promo package that used that footage, they sped up the car running Steve Steve over. Whereas if you look at the live feed from Survivor Series, the car is traveling at about seven miles per hour as it hits the stunt. <laughs> Guys, the WWE is lying to you. <laughs> remember this the remember the And of course this of course brings the heel turn of Rikishi. But what was Rikishi's motivation? Why did he do it? He did it for the rock. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently right, talk about this promo. His reasoning was, as well during his promo, is that he took out Austin to help advance his career because for too long WWF had <laughs> had brought down to the Samoan people for too long see the problem with this is he makes a valid point <laughs> it's a very valid point <laughs> he makes an extreme valid point talking about like um inherent like well assuming it was being approached in earnest we'd have a discussion about like actual like straight up just like racism and 
this weird bias we have to like the wild Samoans. Yes. As if Samoa isn't a place that's been known about for like, you know, a while. <laughs> and of course the cliche that every Samoan person in the world has a has a uh, as a brick for a skull. I buy yes, that though. I mean, we all know Dakota Kai has a has a head made of ice. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, all I all I'm saying is right. I've seen like New Zealand under 16s rugby, right, and they're all built like bricks. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. Assume, I assume they have to be. Hmm. So, but, mm. yeah, they do this whole thing. There's this whole thing in wrestling about like how Samoans are like crazy. Like, mm. hey, remember Umaga? Oh, oh yeah, I? the undefeated Samoan bulldozer, which was supposed to actually be Samoa Joe. That's WWE tried to actually sign Samoa Joe, and the rumor was they were actually going to give him the the Umaga gimmick. That would have been awful. But yeah, we have all of this, despite the fact of like we know about the Rock. Yeah. <laughs> so. Who who are they trying to buy? <laughs> but yeah, is, anyway, mm. we could we could have this earnest discussion about this, but no, because like I I did it for the rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so stupid. But did you know that there are actually several people that they had in mind for the person to run over Austin, Dean Malenko, and, and Vince being Vince. Changed his mind every freaking week. So the original intention, oh, mm. the original intention was for DX to be the sole, to be the main culprits. Um, it, it wasn't going to be anyone in particular who ran <laughs> over. It was just going to be them as collective that were that were put in that situation and they them were as all a group. Driving the car, <laughs> they were all driving the car. It could, for all, all we know, it could have been X Park in the car in that in that scenario. But they they all took responsibility for running him over because it was all orchestrated and planned. Sort of makes sense. Next, it was going to be Shawn Michaels for crippling him in 1998. And eventually, it would be a hot potato it between him, The Rock, Triple H again, DX. And at one point, even Vince suggested Taz to be the guy to run over Austin. See, like, I guess in a way of, like, debuting someone, it's not the worst. True. But, like, like, also, just just why? So, they went with Rikishi, purely for the swerve. But wouldn't you know and believe it, not even a month later, it's actually revealed... That there was actually someone else behind the whole thing. Triple H. Triple H orchestrated the entire event. The higher power. Ah, son of a bitch. There it is. Why did you do it, you son of a bitch? Why? (laughs) Of course, course, right at this time, at this time, Triple H was also planning his power move to be the sole the sole kind of like final boss of the World Wrestling Federation. Not merely a month after Austin got ran over, he he marries Stephanie McMahon and takes yeah. a lot of control over from the WWF. 
Do you remember that shotgun wedding that they had with a drugged Stephanie McMahon? Ah, uh, yes. We, 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 I, we have said about this. I have said about this. Okay. Right. Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. They talk about this as if it's some kind of moment, and they and you see people talk about it like, oh, um, the segments like this, and especially when they posted about it like last year, about on their anniversary, and I'm like, are we not going to acknowledge as wrestling fans that this is not incredibly weird? Yeah, like, we, yeah. Like, you know is, what? Like, like this is incredibly suspect. You know what the thing is? Is the fact that they have never, like, in interviews, ever mentioned that this is incredibly suspect. <laughs> like, like I get it. This, this, you know, this is like this is a part of like you know their history together as a as a as a couple and relationship and blah blah blah. Yeah, mm. but then why has Stephanie never gone like? It's kind of weird that we that I was drugged during this storyline. That's kind of odd. But, don't don't you don't you think, hubby? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. But remember, but remember her surname. Whoa! Yeah, but really, we're not we're not gonna just you're not gonna at least mention that. No. Happy okay. anniversary, darling. Don't worry, yeah, I'm not putting Rahipna when you drink ever again. Hey, it worked out this time. I can't even finish that. This is weird, man. Ah. <laughs> so, Triple H was in on it all along for his hostile takeover of the World Wrestling Federation. And so, with all of that information known and said, what did Stone Cold Steve Austin do? Make Triple H's life a living hell. <laughs> I, I, I approve it. Yeah, makes sense. With the one-year anniversary of Stone Cold Steve Austin's vehicular bad slaughter, <laughs> him nearly dying, we get to Survivor Series 2000, and the main event is set. A no-DQ match between Steve Austin and Triple H. It's weird to know that this wasn't even for, if memory serves me correct, this wasn't for the championship, because before that, I think Kurt Angle had just won the championship. Yes. I believe that's right. Kurt Angle wasn't even in the main event. That's the thing. He was facing off against snake-skin-trousered Undertaker. I can't believe modern wrestling in this. Come on, we all know the title should always be in the last match on the show, obviously. 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 Modern wrestling's so bad. When was this, by the way? 2000. (laughs) (laughs) About 23 years ago. Anyway. This ended in an O contest after both of them basically were just wailing on each other with foreign objects. <laughs> Mostly because as well that they respect they spilled outside to the backstage area where, ha, huh, in a Fugazi, the radicals interfered and beat up Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because this is what we needed to add to. We really needed to add the radicals to this. Oh yeah, because they were on the McMahon Helmsley payroll. For some bizarre reason. Why is it that every kind of group of people that come from one company to, to, company to the other, they just made them lackeys for the higher... <laughs> it's like Eddie Guerrero deserved more. Dean Malenko deserved more than being a fucking lackey for Dean Triple Malenko H. Dean Malenko deserved to be the man behind the wheel of that car. <laughs> uh, he was called the Iceman for a reason, Dad. The Iceman will run you down. 
Uh, Iceman versus Stone Cold for who's the <laughs> who's more cooler. <laughs> but no, the, it resulted in an no contest. It, it resulted in an no contest after Triple H tried to make a getaway in a car. Austin, in, in in a feat of wisdom, realized that oh wait, I've got a forklifts license. <laughs> and drove... yeah, oh yeah, we we we've we've now ascertained uh, wrestling canon dictates that Stone Cold Steve Austin is in fact forklift certified. Indeed, he is. He lifted Triple H's car thirty feet into the air, with Triple H still trapped inside. And I still remember it to this the the, the, the Triple H's voice saying, "Oh, Steve, Steve, don't do this. No, 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 Steve, don't please, please, don't do this." And Steve decided to tip the car. And drop it 30 feet onto the concrete. I still remember Triple H going, oh shit! <laughs> he hit the Triple crowd. H fucking dies. <laughs> Triple H dies, but he somehow appears on Raw the very next night. Don't worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> With not a fucking scratch on <laughs> Somehow he escaped, it's, it's okay. Yeah, this was before Triple H in 2002 and 2003, where after every pay-per-view event where he faced for the title, he was bloodied, bruised, and had fucking plasters all over his forehead. <laughs> so yeah, Triple H survived that. Believe it or not. <laughs> Triple H has plot armor. What is it? I'm just saying it. What was it with WWF? Suddenly having, like... Like... Massive car crashes but somehow the person inside the car would actually make a miraculous recovery and would show up the very next week i'm bringing case in point the rock when he got ran over by that flipping uh, 18 wheeler when he was stuck in the ambulance by the nwo it's just they just you know no sell it it's it that's it i'm gonna cripple his ass nwo star for life dude Remember, a chair could put them out for like eternity, but, um, but car crash. It reminds me of that of that tweet that was like, um, um, if car crashes, it was like if car crashes didn't hurt, I'd do them all the time. Like someone would flip me off on the road, and I just like flip my car as a bit. <laughs> Damn. Just do it. That's, that's wrestling's approach to car crashes. It really is, isn't it? Who makes a full recovery. Or maybe not, dude. <laughs> or maybe not, dude. It's nuts. And here's the thing. This is where the storyline doesn't end. Because it still goes... Oh, no, 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 no. We've, 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 we've got to keep going. We really have got to keep story, going. It doesn't, end when after, it doesn't end after we figure out who did it. Yeah, because still, Steve's still super pissed. Super pissed at Triple H. <laughs> so... This, of course, uh, culminates at the end of 2000 with the six-man Hell in a Cell match for the WWF title as Kurt Angle defends his title against The Rock, Rikishi, main event Rikishi, may I I say, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, and The Undertaker. Do you guys remember or have you ever listened to Rikishi's heel theme? You know, bad man. Oh, that one. I'm a bad man, giving bad looks. The problem with this, though, is that the the entire concept of heel Rikishi is just absurd. He was also coming out in his own brand of of leather wear, or like leather street wear, called, and I shit you not, fat ass wear. (laughs) 
fat ass spelt with a fat spelt with a ph may i say and it's a shame that scott steiner never never bought stocks in fat ass he's fat fat ass (laughs) yeah this six man hell in a cell match is a oh at least it gave us the Rock's amazing promo on the Go Home Raw, where he talks yeah. about all five, all uh, all five competitors. You know the uh, the which if, which means the Rock. If he's gonna be Kurt Angle, I'm gonna drink a big glass of milk, <laughs> have some chocolate chip cookies, and maybe I'll take free Viagra. <laughs> oh man! And of course, that very memeable face he makes when he. When he <laughs> When he talks about Rikishi, <laughs> which Dan has shown me just... <laughs> it's great. It's killing him. It's killing him. He, can't, that, he can't take it. It's that stick. <laughs> I did it for the rock. It's the stare. <laughs> it's the stare. It, it, it's, it's like... Not even quite a thousand yard stare, but like it's close. Yeah, it's very close. It's when he does the the Undertaker one as well. Like it's not as good as the original one where he, when he rolled his eyes back and goes die die die, <laughs> but he does go rest in peace. And his Triple H impression, of course, making making sure with his tried and true uh, impression of Triple H, ending every sentence with an uh, <laughs> which means uh. He's gotta beat the game. <laughs> it's so perfect. I really love that bit. That it, bit has stuck is, in my head yeah, forever. It's one of the greatest. Yes. I, it's so funny that that was one of the best observations anyone's ever made on the character of Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> that you, don't the... realize, you don't realize how much he does it until like you hear it, and then you're like, oh. <laughs> It's 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 his observation. I'm just gonna of, hear this forever. It's that observation and his observation of the big show. You know that <laughs> scaring all the rocks fans. But of course, the one the one that makes me laugh is the off-handed comment when he does his Steve Austin impression. I'm gonna get in my pickup truck, drink some Steve Weisers, listen to some Backstreet Boys. <laughs> And it's it's oh. a, it's it's just basically Jr. Jr. and the king going, what? Backstreet boy. Black. <laughs> it's very confused. It no, gave us continuously. I, 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 I buy Steve as a comprehensive listener. When he takes out his disturbed CD, he puts Backstreet Boys in. It goes from oh wow <laughs> to I want it that way. <laughs> You know, I legitimately cannot think of, think on what Stone Cold Steve Austin would be listening to on the charts during the nineties. I legitimately don't know. Hey, wait, what year? What year is it? Oh, we're year? talking two thousand two thousand and one. He's got okay. a disturbed theme coming up. Like he's got the disturbed theme at this point. He's listening to disturbed. <laughs> Did you know that actually there was a uh, there was a compilation heavy metal album that WWF released of Stone yeah. Cold's favorite metal songs. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and bring up the I've got I'm going off on this tangent. I'm going to try and bring okay. up the song list. I'm just going to say I'm just going to say this. Um I've got a list of the top 100 songs in the in at least in the UK in the 2000s. Um, here are such things that Stone Cold could have been listening to. Um, Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> um, the Real Slim Shady. Uh, Reach by S Club 7. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I can definitely see Stone Cold um, as an S Club Seven stand. Um, uh, Rock DJ by Robbie Williams. Oh man! Oh, this is two thousand. This is peak two thousand. It really is. No, um, honest. Kind of, nah. Uh, Boom, Boom Funk MC's freestyler. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. oh, by the way, Reardon, here is the here is the album cover to Stone Cold Metal. What have we got? What have we got? Oh my god! Okay, so I found the song list that was on this album. Okay, so Rock You Like a Hurricane by Scorpions, track one. Okay, well that's a choice. That's, god, a, that's a choice. God of Thunder by Kiss. Um. Mm-hmm. Balls to the Wall by Accept. Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple. <coughs> Breaking the Chains by Dokken. Dreams I'll Never See by Molly Hatchet. Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. We've got Detroit Rock City, another, another kiss deep cut. Rainbow in the Dark by Dio. <laughs> no One Like You by the Scorpions again. Slow Ride by Foghat. On Through the Night by Def Leppard. Rain by the Cult, and of course, the song ender, the bookmark, Stone Cold by Rainbow. Okay, but what is Deep Purple doing there? I mean, they're, they're considered a pioneer metal band, okay? Deep Purple? Really? I, I, no, no disrespect, Deep Purple. Deep Purple are great, but... Did they? Deep Purple? Considered a pioneer metal band. Ha! Huh. Um, anyway, here's some other songs that Stone Cold could have been listening to. <laughs> the Fong song by Cisco. No, yeah, no, 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 the big show is legit in the American music uh, video cut of the Fog song. I should know. I made the fucking what culture video for that fucking entry. Let's see. I found okay. a video called Cisco Fong Song Uncut Brackets The Big Show. <laughs> Because she was living la vida loca. Anyway. Uh... Okay. Anyway, here's some more songs that I've <laughs> been listening to. Um, we also we also have the great lineup of in the UK charts. At the uh, end end of year UK charts. We had number one by the tweenies. We had Can We Fix It by Bob the Builder. Yes. Um, we had All the Small Things by Blink 182. Um, and then in what I think is realistically the most realistic one, uh, still DRE by Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg. <laughs> but are you ready for the US ones? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. We had we had Smooth by Santana. <laughs> yeah, I see Austin as a Santana. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I <laughs> can had, see that, we honestly. Had, we had Higher by Creed. <laughs> I could definitely see him as a Creed listener. With arms wide open, under the sun. Sorry, I can't. You got to stop me. <laughs> um, we had "Never Let You Go" by Third Eye Blind. Oh my god. Um, 
Uh, we had only God knows why by Kid Rock. <laughs> mm, um, a Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Famer Kid Rock. And and then uh, coming in at number ninety five for the US end of year charts, uh, we had Cowboy Take Me Away by the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> oh, he was definitely a Dixie Chicks listener. I also had "How Do You Like Me Now" at number eighty-two by Toby Keith. So there you go. No, that was Hardcore Holly's. Uh, that was Hardcore Holly's jam. Hey, Lamar now. Hey, Lamar now. So yeah, we that leads us into two thousand and one, and we're getting to the kind of fina- finality of this kind of ending of the storyline. Yeah, because it still ran on into two thousand and one, even with. Stone Cold winning the Royal Rumble and getting the match to lead on to WrestleMania 17. There was one more match that Austin and Triple H had. It was the three stages of hell match at No Way Out in 2001. The, if memory serves me correct, right? Here's, here's how we're looking at it, right? 2001, we are talking peak WWF at this time. For a B show... This had a buy rate of 590,000. A sold out 15,000 packing the Thomas and Mack Center in Nevada. And they Jesus. made they made over 1.5 million in at the gate from and from, from selling from merchandise as well. He made so much money back in the day. No wonder they... McMahon has never, there's never gotten over it. No <laughs> wonder. We're like, honestly, would you? And this is the reason why he made the XFL the same year. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, yeah, bringing on the the three stages of hell match, which led to the full one being a singles match, the second one being a street fight, and the third match being a steel cage match. Funny enough, Triple H won that. Huh. Guys, I found huh. the big, I found the big show in the Fong song. <laughs> yes, hang on. Wait. Oh my god! I fucking told you. I I feel like I'm looking into another dimension. Another dimension. <laughs> another dimension. Another dimension. No, in another dimension, Wait. the big show showed up on a Beastie Boys video. <laughs> Now that would be based. Honestly, look, that's where he belongs. He belongs. He belonged in 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 like in in golden in like the imperial phase Beastie Boys like late eighties, early nineties. That's where he belonged. His appearance needs to be preceded by a by like an ad rock line, which includes Big Show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, now I'm thinking of the tangent. You know who else would have been like fucking perfect to making cameos just in the be just in like in like a Beastie Boys music video at the time? The Hardy Boys. They would have been perfect. Oh, Hardy Boys would have been like prime if if Spike Jones had known the Hardy Boys at that time, he would have made fucking magic with the pair of them. Oh yeah, he really was. My God. <laughs> Pure art. Kill my flow. I'm putting down like I'm the big show. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are we are we now talking about have we just gone from who ran over Stone Cold to Big Show being part of the Beastie Boys? I mean it was always going to get to that point, let's be fair. You know what? (laughs) Folks, where's the lie? Where's the lie? Where is it? But yeah, that is where we end it. I I say that with Triple H winning. Honestly. 
that three stages of hell match is actually really good. I it's very it's, very enjoyable. It's really honestly. good, and I really love the concept of three stages of hell. The only thing that's unfortunate about it is that like to do it right, you need to take like half a pay per view just for one match. And they did. It went on for forty minutes. That match did. That also does not include the time it took to bring the steel cage down from the rafters. <laughs> So we're looking at more like forty-five minutes, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's okay. It's still better. It's still faster running and probably more on time than a Brit Rush show. So, of course, let's not also forget that this was also the event which saw Stone, which saw a fan with incredible aim after the match managed to fling a Coke can into over the cage straight into Austin's face. <laughs> Someone sign him up. <laughs> Because good knows that Nevada needs a good, decent baseball team. <laughs> but yeah, that is where we kind. Of, that is where they kind of wrapped up the who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin storyline. So, was it a good storyline in reflection? Upon reflection, no, not really. <laughs> was the payoff? Worth it? Not, not, no, no, not one single. Even in 2000, I was like, what the fuck is Rikishi doing being the guy running over Austin? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't even necessarily mind the concept. Mm. It's just everything about it was so weird. Every decision was made at like the last second. Ah, sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> like, if they'd went into it and been like, okay, it's gonna be it's gonna be someone from DX, then that's fine. Yeah. You can just be able to be like, well, it's gonna be one of them, we'll just have to figure out who it is. When you're there and you go, okay, like, like the day before you're running it, you're like, okay, it's Rikishi, why aren't uh, we'll figure it out later? No, that's the thing. Even at Survivor series, they hadn't have figured it out. They were gonna oh oh we'll figure it out when we get to it. When Steve's back. I'm like, why? <laughs> A smart person would have had it planned. I mean, I guess, you know, you've got to run into contingencies of, like, if people, if your main players in the whole thing that you've planned out leave, or there's anything like that, they get injured, vice versa. But surely anything would have been better than Rikishi if it was always going to end up being, oh, yeah, Triple H did it. Triple H planned it all along. Yeah. I mean... He instigated it. He's the higher power. <laughs> A higher power. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very weird storyline. It's very confusing and strange. I'm I'm happy that you two didn't, in a sense, experience this at the time. How weird it was watching the storyline progress week by week. Because it was weird. Yeah, what's it even, what's was even weird. Better is, what's <laughs> even better is, is that now I can look back on it, look back on it, and laugh at my expense. No. <laughs> yes. Damn you. The pair of you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. <laughs> but hey, at least we can end on a much more decent note. Big Show being part of the Beastie Boys cinematic universe. In, 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 in our, in, within our universe. He was actually—he was actually one of the—he was actually—he was actually one of the giant kaiju monsters in the intergalactic uh, music See, video. Again, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. This is a good idea. 
We're ending on the fact that Big Show should have been part of the Beast Boys. Anyway, I think that's where we're going to end it. In music videos is, is, the, is the key point here. Yes. yes. So this is my open message to... Um, <coughs> this is my open message to Joey Valance, <laughs> who is keeping the Beastie Boys style alive. <laughs> and I'm here to say, uh, get the Big Show in a music video. <laughs> I mean, either being Paul White or Captain Insano or The Big Show or The Giant, I'm happy. As long as he's in it, I'm fine. I listen. Uh, you know what? If if Joey Valance is is Joey Valance any good? I, I know we've ended the episode, but is he any good? I think he's awesome, but that's because I'm a massive Beastie Boys fan. So anything which is close to the Beastie Boys, I love. You know. Ever since MCA sadly passed away, shout out to you, MCA. The rest in peace. I have been needing more Beastie Boys, so I'll check them out. I will check out Joey Valance. See what we got. Balance. <laughs> yeah, so with that, it's gonna end this week's episode. It's been uh it's been a weird one to chronicle. I could have gone in much greater detail, but I kinda of wanted to do the Cliff Notes one as to kind of like cause if I went any deeper, I think you guys' minds would have cracked. You know? Probably. I didn't want to put you through that. But we are going to put you... I'm going to put you through the ringer next week, Reardon, on the next episode. Because oh, I'm so happy to say that on our next episode, we get to be joined by legendary Hog Dipper of the Deadlock Podcast fan community. The one, the only, Donut Cass is joining us as we chronicle the life and careers of Matt and Jeff Hardy. Oh, here we go. It's a long overdue Hardy's retrospective. You can't believe we didn't, we forgot about them. It's actually a big oversight for us. The skis are about to be woed. Or maybe not, dude. Or maybe they will, dude. We will. I am so, so excited to have Cass on. Like, you would not believe it, because I have loved his video edits of Deadlock Podcast, as well as just being, like, an overall fan of the Base World Podcast as well. Um, I am very excited to have him on. Can't, cannot wait to talk about the Hardys. Um, okay, well, so I cannot wait to talk about the early the career, WWE. the peak. <laughs> the, the, the troughs are going to be a bit more tough to talk about. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, but hey ho. It's got to be talked about if we're going to talk about those boys from Cameron, North Carolina, eh? Come and see. But that's all coming up for the next episode. Until then, I have been Sam, this has been Dan and Reardon, and you've been listening to the Sweet Chin Rag Podcast. We will see you as always on the next one. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.